0: It'll I see, you think uh, religion is for suckers and easy marks and molly cuddles, huh? Just just you think Jesus was some kind of a sissy,
1: eh? Jesus had guts! Yeah, yeah. Hi and welcome to History Makers, I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Jim McMillan, the Queensland rep for Open Doors. And uh, he's been involved in a lot of youth ministry over the years, and uh, last time I saw him he was riding, was it a Harley Davidson, a big motorbike? He gets around, and uh, I just thought it'd be great to have a bit of a chat with him today, so let's get to know you a little bit better. So Jim, tell us a bit about your upbringing and uh, how you came to Christ.
0: Yeah, thanks Matt, I I came to Christ when I was 19, and uh, before that I was brought up as a younger boy in a fairly Christian environment um, My father died when I was five and my mother never ever remarried And so it was like being in a single parent home uh, as, as I grew up a little bit um, So we were very Christianized as, as youngsters but probably around like most people By the time I was about 10 or 11 I was doing my own thing And uh, it was a, just a fairly normal teenager I suppose growing up uh, very active very active in sport and lots of things you know but did lose my way a fair bit and uh, it was a result of a a pretty serious car accident I had and uh, I remember going into my mother at that point and mum had reconnected with church life and was very active in her own way and uh, I said to her you know there's got to be more to life um it was almost like one of those moments where everything was sort of flashed before you and uh yeah, and I, she said, well, maybe you need to come to church And, and you know what, I, I just looked at her and I just said, I think you're right I think I need to go to church And so I remember it, remember it as clear as a bell And uh, I cannot recall what the preacher was preaching that day In fact, he could have been preaching on Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck and the six dwarves you, know, dwar- you know, the multiple dwarves It doesn't matter which one um, Because I reckon I would have got saved regardless so that's how I came, you know. And I remember crying on the altar for hours. It, I was a one of those radical conversions, um, total one hundred and eighty degree turn. I, you know, was one one day I was moving in this direction. The next, the very next day, I was going totally the opposite.
1: And I know you're involved in uh, youth ministry for many years. Uh, what did you do after your conversion? Did you get straight into being a youth leader, or or did you do Bible college? What did you do? Oh. I
0: yeah got got involved in the youth group pretty quickly um I was sort of one of these guys that rapidly rose in in youth in youth leadership at that level uh, by the time i was twenty one so you know two two years in um, I had met a young lady in in church and who's you know i'm still 28 years married and to my first wife, so it's all good. But uh, yeah, met a young lady and we had got ourselves engaged, and I was fairly committed to going to Bible college. So by the time I was at the, you know, 22, I was in Bible college. And um, yeah, and basically got into youth ministry. I always knew I was going to be in youth ministry uh, because I really wanted to influence young people not to make the same mistakes I did.
1: And what did you do straight after Bible College? Where did you end up? Back in my home church where I got saved
0: um, in Victoria and uh, was there for five years and moved to become another youth ministry in in Victoria again for about five years. And then at that point I lost my brains a little bit. I had a bit of a brain snap. I became a senior pastor. Matt. And, uh, you know, I did that for about four and a half, five years, and, you know, God saved me and got me back into youth ministry at that stage. <laughs> so it was quite funny.
1: <laughs> now, a movement that has impacted so many youth across this nation is Youth Alive, and I know you've been involved in them over the years. What was your involvement with them? Interestingly enough, I was
0: one of the guys that was involved in setting Youth Alive up nationally. I was in the room where that conversation happened first. And,. And it was with uh, a bunch of guys that are just legends in youth ministry, so you t- were talking people like who was in the room, oh, Mal Fletcher was in the room, Papa Sidi was in the room, Wayne Elcorn was in the room, Danny Guoglamucci was in the room uh amongst you know in each each state had about five or six people, and so I was one of the one of the group in that room when we put that together on a national basis, so I was involved from the early early stages. At a state level, I was serving at a state level in Victorian youth life for twelve years and uh, did that. I was the assistant
1: director in Victoria for probably about four or five years. So, yeah, enjoyed that role and uh, that was good. Well, I can remember in my early days in youth ministry uh, hearing all of those guys preach Mal Fletcher, Wayne Alcorn, Pat Mercedes, all those guys. They were like my heroes. I just wanted to be like them one day. And, uh, you know, I remember going to Sydney Entertainment Centre and I think it was called Jam with the Lamb or uh, Rock the Flock. And they were all these great creative names and they had big bands. And the preachers were like stand up comedians who then packed a powerful gospel message. And I just thought, you know, and we used to take busloads. Loads of kids along. Uh, have you seen uh, the shift that uh, has happened in youth ministry over the years uh, since Youth Alive has been out there? What kind of fruit have you seen from
0: it? Oh, fruit! I mean, well, you're, you've just mentioned it. I mean, the amount of young people that have come to Christ through Youth Alive. Um, you know, that was there was lots of youth movements around, but my involvement was Youth Alive, so I, I'll speak from that. The, the incredible amounts of fruit came out of that you know the amount of young men and and young women are in ministry today as a result of youth alive camps or youth alive involvement or you know being involved in in, in seeing people get saved at rallies and all those sort of things I mean, it's very important I mean, the it's interesting that that everything in ministry goes around in circles and um, you know When Youth Alive first started, it was very, very, very aggressively about, you know, empowering and releasing young people and equipping the local church youth ministry. Because back in the day, um, those sort of big events that you're talking about, the average local youth ministry could never do that. They could never replicate that. In today's technology, there is the ability that really those big events... Most youth ministries, effective youth ministries, can do similar events with the similar technology just at a bit of a smaller scale. And so I think I've seen a bit of a shift away from, well, you know, why should we really take our young people to that when we can do that ourselves? And it's a bit of a sad thing really because I, I think we lose that sense of community that we're all in this together this is something we can do at a, uh, at a at a at a bigger level than ourselves and i you know that's a bit of a sad thing but i you know what i've got faith that it'll, re- it'll rebirth itself and it has in a lot of ways i mean I, I don't know if you know but cam bennett and some of the guys now doing an incredible job um you know speak to cam Quite regularly and you know encourage him that He's doing a great job mate And if you go to some of the Queensland events Mate they're great and lots of people are Giving their hearts to Jesus through it so it's fantastic
1: Now one of the criticisms Leveled at, at those kind of uh, Big rallies is that the kids uh, Jump into Christianity and Then jump out of it as easy the next week And uh, you know there's some statistics From Barna Research saying that 80% Of Christian teenagers Stop going to church once they Finish high school um, what's the what, what are we doing wrong what 's the solution uh, to see those kids staying with the Lord after they 've finished high school years?
0: I think we fall into error when we run youth ministry and we 're talking about youth ministry all the time. You, you, thing is about youth ministry we 've actually got, got a shift at a local level that number one um, and i 'm talking now from you know twenty odd thirty years of experience in youth ministry now, I suppose I would make the suggestion that a lot of as i talk to younger youth pastors a lot of them if you ask them why does your youth ministry exist and this is not a criticism it's just i think the way people we the way that we or the expectation is to respond and i would suggest that if you ask the question of a, youth, a younger youth pastor, why do you exist? They would give you answers like to reach their generation, to you know, change the world, to do this, do that. And I sit back and I think, I actually don't think that at all. I think the reason a local youth ministry exists is to disciple the young people that they have. And if they do that effectively, then they will reach their generation. You know, the, I think reaching of the generation And changing the world Is a fruit of how you do the first part right And it's about In every local church There is a group of young people there And it doesn't matter if there's five of them Or if there's 200 There is a group there that need to be discipled um, And as you know I've just stopped Being a youth pastor after 28 odd years Doing it um, And In my last church, and it was a fairly significant church, a fairly significant youth ministry, the philosophy was that we have to disciple the young people we have, and that was our reason of living. That's why we existed. And I think just it has to come back down to a discipleship see the goal one of the one of the goals of our my last youth ministry, one of the main things I pumped into leaders, was the goal of our youth ministry is that all young people will become lifelong christians, and as a result of that you 're going to have exponential um, changing the world and reaching generation well
1: i think that's a brilliant answer and you know i heard chuck swindoll say that uh, discipleship is when one rubs off on another and really that's what it is, is doing life with young people training them in the word of god training them in godliness and you know honoring uh you know the lord in their lives yeah what do you think absolutely
0: but the thing is that in again in our interesting you know local church environments i think we get a little bit mixed up on what true discipleship is at times and it's doing the distance with people and you know When I talk to church leaders and that, we all want to talk about discipleship. We all want to get involved in discipleship. We all want to be a discipler. Everybody wants to do it, but you know what? We talk about how we're going to do it, and we sort of work in that our discipleship will be great if we can work it into a program that runs for two hours on Wednesday. Well, unfortunately, true discipleship doesn't work that way. True discipleship is there's a few things. Number one, it's going to always be messy. True discipleship is never clean. It's going to be messy. The second biggest problem is it's never gonna be convenient. I <laughs> man you just need to look at Jesus and what he what, you know, how he dealt with his own um, you know, the the small group that followed him. Man, it was never convenient. Some of the things, some of the times they came out and you know, he was trying to get away and go and pray, but they'd always find him, they'd always be on him, they'd always be asking him. You know, it's never gonna be convenient. But we like to keep it so it's nice and clean and you know, and it's gonna take time. But we live in an instant world. We want it to happen. If you do X, Y, Z, you're going to have an outcome here. It's a formula-based thing. It's not True discipleship is not formula-based. And um, I think that's a revelation that we've got to get back to, that we've actually got to do time with people. We've actually got to spend our time with people. And uh, young people, my house is, was filled with young people, filled with youth leaders. In fact, you know... Um, in some of the youth groups I've had, you know, I, a lot of my youth leaders had keys to my house. You know, that's just the way it was.
1: Well, mate, uh, you've grown up now after being working with, as a youth for 28 years, and you're now with a big person's ministry. Yeah, <laughs> uh, tell us about Open Doors and, and why the change.
0: I was, I just felt I was talking with our senior pastor, and I, I knew that my season was going was coming up, I really was praying and asking the Lord to give me a new thing. It was interesting that I, you know, had a bit of a an insight that this was going to happen. And you know, very, very, very respected man in my life that I listened to a lot. He he actually pulled me aside. Um, it was about 18 months ago. Well, it was a bit more than that now. It's close, probably two and a half years now. But he actually said to me, you know, that he felt that the Lord was going to do something totally different and new in my life. And uh, that was in a, that was an interesting thing. He said, so it's going to be totally different than anything you've ever done. And at that, back then I was going, man, you've eaten too much pizza, you know, like it's... I can't see that I can't see that But God's just got this way Of doing things Matt And this opportunity came up And I really am very excited by it
1: So for those who don't know What Open Doors is Tell us all about it Open
0: Doors is a ministry That was started uh, over 50 years ago By Brother Andrew um, Who back in 1955 uh, Had a word from the Lord um, To strengthen that which remains um, And at the point of death And found in Revelation And He really felt that was a word from God to do something for Christians behind the Iron Curtain. And uh, it's very famous. He loaded up his Volkswagen with Bibles and literature and he drove it into East Poland and uh, he, you know, started. The ministry of open doors and uh, became known as god smuggler wrote a book in 67 about all that it's sold over 100 million copies it's been translated i think now into 27 or 28 different languages um it's just a very well read book and you know the the principles and the founding principles of open doors have never changed i mean we our ministry's called open doors is because brother andrew felt strongly that the holy spirit doesn't need a visa and uh There is no door closed to the gospel, no matter about the political situation, the religious situation, doesn't matter about any, whatever the situation is, it's not closed to the gospel. We can get the the ministry of God into places where faith costs a lot, and that's about that's that's what Open Doors does.
1: I heard a story recently of uh, where the regime changed in Syria, and there was a season where the doors were actually open uh, to smuggle Bibles into Syria, uh, first time in I don't know how many years, and Open Doors got Bibles into that country, and I don't know if the door's still open there to do that, but obviously you guys have got... Uh, contacts all across the world, particularly in, in the persecuted countries, uh, and you know I've seen your world watch list. You know, and you know uh, I think North Korea is the top the top one on that list. And you guys are heading into nations like North Korea and uh, helping the Christians. Strengthening those that remain uh, you are obviously uh, got a lot of guts to do what you do uh, If people want to find out more about uh, your incredible ministry Is there a good website they can go to? Absolutely, just go to the Open Doors website It's
0: www.opendoors.org.au Mate, I
1: reckon you're history maker Thanks for joining Oh, thanks Matt <laughs> Keep doing the great job you do Bless you Thanks for joining us on History Makers If you'd like to hear this interview again Just go to historymakersradio.com There you can download interviews, subscribe to the podcast, make a donation, find out about our YouTube channel, and maybe connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Just go to historymakersradio.com for more. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ through conversation to the nations of the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Matt Prater. Why don't you go and make history? History Makers